Welcome back to the joy of aquatics and I'd like to jump straight into it and welcome today's guest. She is an award-winning swimming teacher and she has written a book. She's actually written two books. Now she's here today to talk about the lessons that she's learned from parenting her three children. Now this Wonder Woman has two children with autism so she has some fantastic insights and has overcome some very personal fears to be where she is today. And with me right now, we have Rosalind Laurie. Ros, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Ros, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. Okay. Um, so I'm a wife and mum with three beautiful kids. Um Two of them have been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum, both at different ages. So the first diagnosis was our son, and he was three years old when he was diagnosed. Um, our daughter, who is the older one, um, was diagnosed at about 15, 16 years old. So she very much flew under the radar for quite some time, um, but grateful that we got the diagnosis when we did, which was really good. Wow. All right. Now, Ros... You are also a swimming teacher. So I am. Tell us, tell us about how you got into teaching swimming. Ah, okay. So, because having kids on the spectrum and special grant, our middle one who was diagnosed at three, um, I always found it hard to find good swim teachers to to work with you. Um, and attempting to do one on one lessons that was kind of a bit of a challenge because. Back then, around the early 2000s, uh, we were up in Queensland. Um, I would always be either charged for all four kids in the lesson if there was only if there were four kids in the lesson. So, instead of a lesson being about $15 for half an hour, I was going to be charged $60 for half an hour for Grant to have a one-on-one lesson. Yeah. So that was just not doable at all. So we just battled through some lessons in groups. Um, dealt with the meltdowns when we had the meltdowns and, you know, just tried to nurse him through as much as possible. Uh, it didn't last very long. I, I think I only had him in lessons for maybe two years at the most. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of went, you know, like, I think I think he's okay in water and any time he's in water anyway, he's with me anyway. Yeah. Hey, so Ros, what's that like from a parent's perspective? In terms of having being denied opportunities? Well, one, being denied opportunities, but two, also having a child with autism in lessons and just not coping. What's that like from a parent's perspective? Um, uh, part of me wants to say embarrassing, but not. Because yeah. I've never been embarrassed by him. He's never, ever embarrassed him, no matter what. I've never been embarrassed. What I am, though, is I'm sad to some degree. Um, to see my son reduced to that state yeah. is, is very tough to see. Um, you know, because cause they go into meltdown, which is your fight, flight, or freeze, and mm-hmm. and that's never a nice thing to see a, a human reduced to that state. Yeah, so, I, I think that's something we as swimming teachers need to take into consideration as well. It's quite easy for a swimming teacher to go, "No, I'm the most important person in this lesson," and become yeah. a little bit selfish when really we should be. You know, if we're doing our jobs really well, yeah. we're always yeah. advocating for each of our students. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No matter no matter what is presented to you as a teacher, 
it's your responsibility to work with it in that respect. If you don't understand how to do that, then start asking questions or find out, or then just say, it's, just, it's not for me. Um, it's probably not, not above what I can do, but it's, you know, I don't understand how I can help in that respect. And there's, there's no, there's no shame in that. There's no, there's no issue with that. Most parents, and I can promise you, with kids with special needs, actually respect that. If a teacher is honest and says things like, this is, this is something that I'm not, that's not for me kind of thing. Um, or yeah, I, I don't understand how I can do this in that respect. So, which, because it gives us an opportunity as parents to make a decision as to what we do in that respect. But if we have a teacher who goes, yeah, no, I'm fine, and really isn't, it's never going to work. And you end up with, you know, negative behaviours coming out because the, the child can read whether people that they're working with or working, you know, together, whether they're confident and respectful and willing to accept them for who they are in that respect. Yeah. So Grant was very good at reading people, he still is, um, and if they didn't kind of respect him in, in certain ways, um, yeah, you would you would have a nightmare. So, so it was frustrating as well, very much so. Um, I never really was concerned about other parents' opinions and what they thought. That never really bothered me. Yeah. Um, because I knew where it was coming from from Grant and, you know, I, I accept him for who he is. Um, and it was never from a an intentional kind of behaviour. It was always because he was just overwhelmed, not coping. Um, yeah, again, reduced to a fight, fight or freeze. Yeah, okay. Now, sorry, I did interrupt you, so... That's okay. So, uh, yeah, how did you get into teaching? So, watching the teachers and watching my kids in their swimming lessons, I actually found myself watching the teachers more. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny. And I used to sit down and go, that would be so much fun. So, as time went on, I would um, take Grant to a pool for a swim. Um, and sometimes it was in a morning where swimming lessons were happening. And again, I would just be drawn to watching what they were doing and all that kind of stuff. So as time went on again, I actually got an opportunity to volunteer at, at Grant's um, special development school. They had their own pool that they built. So nice. I put my hand up to volunteer in the pool with them, with the teachers and the, the other kids in the school. And I found that I just absolutely loved my time with the kids um, and was like a sponge with the teachers in how they managed the kids, how they would approach, you know, aquatics instruction and all that kind of stuff. So the guy who ran that call um, made a comment to me and said, go and do the Oswald, um yeah, the Oswald course. He said, you definitely need to do that. So I kind of went, well, nah, I just can't do that. <laughs> You know, so differently now. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a bit of time to pluck up the courage and, and confidence to do that. But I did, I did. I think I did the course in 2013, um, probably around July, August, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and absolutely loved that course, by the way. That, that was a real game changer for me. I was like a sponge in that course um, and just loved every single second of it. So 
that really said that but I, this is this is what I want to do kind of thing. Yeah. So flashed out my training hours within a couple of months, I think, and I was signed off in December 2013. Nice as a job. Teacher. Yay, which was really cool, which was really quite a big moment for me because growing up, I, at school I was useless. I was hopeless. I, you know, it, it never worked for me. Um, you know, I left there thinking... I, I wouldn't be able to amount to much because I struggle with English and essay writing and all that fun stuff. So the idea of going to uni and all that just never appealed to me. Um, so, yeah, so knowing that swim teaching too has flexible hours and especially inside school hours, yeah, um, that was appealing in that respect as well. Um, so, yeah, I did my hours for training at two different centres yeah. and... The first centre that I approached offered me a job once I got signed off. Yeah. Right away, there was no, no have to interview or anything. They just went, when can you start? Um, and then the second centre that I was also training at, um, I had to go through their employment uh, recruitment process and all that kind of stuff. So I did that and and secured a job there as well, which was really cool. That is awesome. The re- yeah. So the reason why I went to two centres is because I knew. This is what I wanted to do. This was my job. Yeah, I wasn't studying or doing anything elsewhere. So I knew to expect to be able to get a shift every day of the week kind of thing yeah. was just not really realistic. So I split my days between the two centres and all that kind of stuff. And then I actually also was employed by my son's school where I did the volunteering in the beginning. They actually employed me as a, a swim teacher to support their swim program, which was really cool. Roz, um, you are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roz, tell us, how has your journey with all of your children helped you become the amazing swimming teacher that you are? <laughs> You're too kind. Well, um, no, seriously, I, you you won the national award for, oh yeah, that was for teaching access and inclusion. So you, that, well, yeah, you're a pretty amazing teacher. That was crazy. Um, <laughs> nothing but patience. The, the patience has been a, a real game changer for me. Uh, I use that term often because I've had lots of game changers. Um, I bet. In, before Grant was diagnosed with autism, he was also diagnosed with leukemia at nine weeks old and we nearly lost him and went through a whole up to about three years worth of treatment on and off and all that kind of stuff. So living in an oncology world, you absolutely need to be patient. There's there's no question about that because not everything happens when you expect it to happen. So you could be sitting in the outpatient department for up to eight hours waiting to either see a doctor <sighs> or, you know, get the medicine that they need. Uh, or a blood transfusion and all that kind of stuff. So you absolutely need to learn how to be patient. Um, Maybe that's why they call you a patient. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Spot on. Um, So, yeah, but also acceptance. Like if if you accept them for who they are, um, it reduces the fight in some ways. Um, Yeah. But also acceptance also helps you become more patient in that respect. Because if you can accept something, you can be more patient with it. Um, so that was a real big thing for me is 
accepting the situation that you're in, not so much being okay with it and and letting it kind of just happen, um, but learning how to work with it as opposed to deny it or fight it because yeah. that never works. That never works. I saw too many examples in the oncology world, for example, of how things would go if parents were fighting where they were and, and denying their reality. Um, it never really ended well in a lot of respects. So I learned a lot, a, a lot of life lessons in that environment um, and some pretty big ones too. So, um, so yeah, having patience with kids on the spectrum is is definitely something that I can highly recommend. If you're not patient with them, you're going to run into trouble every single time. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, having three kids, you, you have three completely different kids, different personalities, um, different ways of, of seeing things and understanding things and all that kind of stuff. So my first little one, Kelly, was uh, a very shy and timid little thing. Um, but I could I could demand her attention kind of thing. So when you taught you know things like numbers, letters, um, colours, shapes, and all that kind of stuff, I could demand her attention, and she would look at me and she would follow what I was saying. But yeah. then Grant came along, and he's got his own agenda. There is no doubt he's definitely got his own agenda. So any time I commanded or demanded his attention for something, he would like just completely ignore me. So I had to learn back off and allow him to come to me and once his space was open I could get in there then that's when I had his attention so learning that was a huge huge thing for me because a lot of kids on the spectrum do have their own agenda Um, and and if you're not able to become a part of their agenda again it's it's really hard you'll have nothing but oppositional behaviour and objectionable behaviours and all that kind of stuff so yeah learning how to accept their agenda and becoming a part of their agenda is, is definitely something that I've, I've benefited from in the pool for sure oh wow it's just taking taking me back to uh, some of the kids that I've taught in the past and it's yeah. like you're, you're right you do have to become part of their agenda absolutely you know, there's, there's no other yeah. way to reach them so, no that's exactly right but you've got to let them come to you. Yeah. So make sure you're open, so to speak, metaphorically, however you want to say it. Yeah. If you're open to them, they will eventually come to you. And then once they're in, you've got them kind of thing. Yeah. But you, you can't break their trust. If you break their trust, you'll lose them again kind of thing. So you've got to earn their trust. And once you have their trust, um, that's the only time that you can start challenging them and pushing them and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Okay, Um, so do you have any specific things that we can do um, to help kids that are on the spectrum? Um, Make it easy for them to succeed. So that's a real real thing for me, especially with Grant. If you make it easy for them to succeed, then that builds their confidence, their their self-confidence, and they'll start tr- trusting their own ability in that respect. So then that's when you can start challenging them. If you try and challenge them without their trust, you're going to push them away every single time or they'll push you away because, but yeah, there's, there's no there's no firm ground of trust before you start challenging them and, and extending their abilities and all that kind of stuff. So 
absolutely earn their trust and the only way you can do that is be as consistent as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, now, in saying that, you can also be flexible in that consistency. But, um, yeah, consist- consistency is the key um, and never give up on thing. Even if they push you away a million times, never give up on it. They'll eventually crack. Eventually. <laughs> eventually. Might take a few goes, but never give up on it. Um, and they actually do, I find, um, how can I say it? Not really respect that, but, but they really appreciate that. And they're how nonverbal that they might be, or, you know, um, if they are severely autistic, if that's the return that you can use, um, they can absolutely feel whether you're going to give up on them or not kind of thing. So never, you know, get frustrated with them in that respect. Um, It's, it's, yeah, it's it's a matter of earning your trust, accepting them for who they are um, and working with how they are in in that way. Yeah. If that makes any sense. That does. That makes a lot of sense. It's good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <as> well. <laughs> Roz, you have done something very amazing in the last few weeks. You Crazy. have written a book and published it. Tell us all I about have. it. What's it called? What's it about? And where can we get it? Okay, so uh, it's called What Can Be with an apostrophe. Um... It's about my son Grant, um, and it's it's actually going to be in a lot of volumes. So the first volume has been released, uh, which is crazy. Um, no, and the it's first not. Volume, it's not crazy. <laughs> that's just that's just you, Roz. You're it's exceptional. Right. <laughs> that's just you. That's normal. No, no, no. Um, yeah. So the first volume is the beginning of his story with his diagnosis of leukemia um, and I actually the, the majority of the book of volume one is actually a diary that I actually wrote only four weeks after he was diagnosed back in 2001 oh, wow. so yeah I know and I actually only found it last year when we were moving house and it, it just completely and utterly changed my whole approach to how I was going to do it so I completely forgot I did it found it read it and went oh my god Wow, okay. So I just copied that word for word. Um, and, and it's actually only the first 24 hours of his diagnosis that I wrote in that diary. It was about 50 pages in the book that I wrote, um, but only actually covers the only first 24 hours of when he was diagnosed because oh. they were very intense, right. very intense first 24 hours. I can imagine. Um, yeah, it was crazy. He, um, he was in that much trouble. And, and his body was that that far riddled and, and gone with leukemia that we nearly lost him that night um, and had everything not happened the way that it did on that day and night, he would never have made it. So, you know, we were airlifted from Toowoomba um, to Brisbane because he was he just needed help straight away. Um, but, I mean, there was a whole, whole mixed bag of what could have gone wrong and... and some things did go a little bit wrong, but luckily things went right for us. Yeah. So, um, and then after I finished typing out the, the diary entries, 
Um, I just continued on with how things went in the intensive care unit, in the paediatric intensive care unit. Um, and there were a few significant moments as well, and we were in there for about five days. So volume one is pretty much from diagnosis and a little bit of background information on Grant before he was diagnosed, which is pretty short because it was only nine weeks. Yeah. Um, till the fifth day in intensive care unit. Um, and yeah, so then the second volume that I'm working on right now is a little bit more about what happened after intensive care and in the ward. Um, and yeah, how his treatment went and the, the path that we took and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping to release the next volume in the next maybe month or so. Um, the earlier the better. I'd love to get that one out too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so the way this kind of really came about is a lot of people have said to me that I've met along the way when I started to tell them about Grant's story going, you need to write a book, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. I'm like, okay, all right. But the idea of writing a book really just shut me down because at school I could never write essays to save my life. Well, you said that earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the idea of writing just really shut me down very, very quickly. And it was because I was always told I didn't know how to write, you know, in a formal way and in any way, basically. So teachers in the past didn't make my life very easy. So so then I just kind of decided to just start writing my memories down. in the times that I was sitting in my car waiting for Grant while he was his personal trainer and his tutor and this and that, I just used that time to start writing things down because as I finished reading that diary that I wrote back then, I started to realise I was losing my memory um, and I was losing some pretty significant moments that I didn't want to forget. Yeah. So just starting to write the memories, I just kind of went, wow, maybe I can write because I was just filling pages, page yeah. after page after page. And I'm like, oh, okay. This is this is interesting. Yeah. So um, then, at one of my workplaces, I met a guy who just uses the hydro pool that I teach the kids in every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in conversation, I shared a little bit about Grant and why I was home the spring teacher and all that kind of stuff. He said, "You need to put that in the book." I was like, "Okay." Um, and he actually let me know that he was a writer himself. And so I started asking him how he does it. And he said, write like you speak. I was like, oh, oh, I can do that. Yeah, <laughs> I good. Can, I, I can do that. I was like, oh, okay. And I said, well, that's kind of how I've started. And he goes, yep, that's how people relate more to what you say. Yeah. Um, because if you write like you speak. So I kind of went, all right. So that was a bit of a barrier drop down for me. Um, and then he... Yeah, that I mentioned that the idea of writing a book was very overwhelming because it's a huge story now. You know, yeah. Grant's now 18 years old. So that's a big story to tell. So I was thinking, how, how long is this book going to take, kind of thing, to write? So he said, don't, don't write it in one whole book, do it in volume. Like, oh, <laughs> okay. So that, that dropped another big roadblock that I had up for myself in that respect. Yeah. Um, and then he said, because I was talking about publishing and all this kind of stuff, like how hard is it? And he said, not hard at all because you just do it on Kindle or Amazon. And Kindle publishing, you can do it for free. You can do it yourself. 
all you do is upload your document that you've got your story on and it'll do it for you. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, there was another roadblock that went flying down. I was like, oh, okay. Fortunately, I have a very talented sister who actually jumped on with me and she was the one who got it over the line. So to do a front cover was another roadblock for me because I'm I'm not that talented with graphic design and stuff. Well, Ros, um, your cover looks amazing. Oh, no, like I cannot thank her enough. She did a fantastic job. Like I chose the images in that respect, so the boy on the ladder, yeah. that was definitely my choice. I found that. I went, oh, I need that. Um, but she put it all together for me. Um, yeah, uploaded my document and there it was. That was full on. That was quite a moment for me. Your process so, um, sounded a lot easier than mine. I think yeah. I'm going to have to try that process next time. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Kindle, Kindle publishing is definitely, once you understand it, it's so much easier. Because um, all you have to do is format it to the way they need it in a Word document. You don't do yeah. it in any other document. Um, and, yeah, all you do is upload it and they do the rest. And then up you lo- upload your front cover and, yeah, they do the rest. So, like, yeah, wow, that's cool. That's <laughs> super exciting, Roz. It, yeah, it was. It was It was quite a moment. So when I saw it up on there saying it was there's rebought or downloaded, I, yeah, that was a real moment. So... But yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about doing this for quite some time because the first person to say you need to write a book was actually my youngest, Mark, um, his obstetrician when I was pregnant with him. And that was only, Grant was not even two years old then. Yeah. And when I told him about his treatment and all that kind of stuff, he, he made the comment, you need to write a book. And I'm like, wow. Right. <laughs> Do you write a book? No way. I don't think a book is actually going to cut it. I think you're probably looking at a movie here. <laughs> well, it's funny because I've actually shared this with my kids and um, I'm actually going to offer my kids to write their side of it because oh, I think it's very, yeah, I think it's really important, especially for Kelly, to be able to share her side of it yeah. because she was she was not even two when Grant was diagnosed with leukemia. So yeah. Her world was completely and utterly ripped apart that yeah. very night. So, and she's she's definitely had a long term effect from that. There's no doubt. So, I've said to her that I'd actually like her to write her side of it, so she's going to get a volume or however many volumes she needs. Yeah. Um. And my younger, uh, Mark, is I also spoke to him and, and said that I'd like him to do it, and he's actually studying media studies and studies in school and all that kind of stuff. He's very, very, very creative. And yeah. um, he actually made the comment that he actually would probably rather do like a media thing yeah. kind of thing. So we were watching Australian Story a few months ago and it was the story of the two directors that have two kids on the spectrum. Uh-huh. I can't remember their names for the life of me and I'm really sorry that I can't remember them, but... I watched their story and it really hit me um, in that way. And Mark came in halfway through it and sat with me and watched it and everything too. And he just went, ooh. And so he actually made the comment to me a few weeks later saying, you know, 
one day I think I'd like to do that, like maybe a, a documentary or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, it would be. So it would that be. would be. That would be beyond very cool because he didn't come into our lives until Grant was, you know, going through his treatment and all that kind of stuff. Mark actually had to deal with a lot of Grant's behaviour with his autism and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Grant was very aggressive at home, very violent, a lot of, lot of violent outbursts and meltdowns. And so Mark was one of his, well, his main targets because he was younger and smaller. Yeah. Um, so Grant used to line him up from one end of the room to the other and, and just knock him over and all that kind of stuff. So Mark's definitely got a, a big story to tell, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I bet he does. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, and his his approach would be quite fascinating. I I cannot wait to see what he does with this. Um, if he if he eventually does do it, um, I mean this is going to be probably years down the track. But yeah, I I actually think it's it's going to be quite extraordinary if he does if he does get a chance to do it. Because um, yeah, I couldn't even imagine growing up with a brother like he has. Um, and same with Kelly too. So I know what it's like to be his mum and I have, you know, a very clear understanding of what that is. But to be a brother or sister, it's just a whole different story. So, um, so yeah, so Kelly's already said that she's wanting to do the, her story. Um, and bagged a, a front, a front cover already for that. Very cool. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And I have to say, you have also been a very big driving force behind this and behind this book idea as well. Um, so I'd really like to take this opportunity to say a massive thank you to you. You have been nothing but unwavering, encouraging, supportive. Yeah. Aww. Cannot thank you enough because you have... No, honestly, you, you've, you've definitely been one of those voices in my head that has got me to where I am now. Um, oh. When I met you in 2015, um, yeah, I was, I was very drawn to your passion for what you do as well um, and, you know, your vision and what you want to achieve and all that kind of stuff really sparked something in me because I've never really been an ambitious person, um, but, yeah, that, that definitely changed for me when I met you, so I cannot thank you enough for what you have done for me. Ros, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nearly there already. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean it, honestly. You, your support has just been unwavering and an incredible, um, I'm lost for words now, a, an incredible driving force. That means definitely. you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. <laughs> <laughs> no, your friendship has, has definitely meant a lot for me and um, listening to you speak and, and your stories with Grant and listening to you talk about um, working with children with autism, you have definitely mm. helped me work with my kids up here. So. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's all I want to do. I want to... I wanna kind of share what I know because what I know works for most kids. I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I know everything. 
But now that I've been teaching for nearly six years, I'm starting to see results for my effort and for my um, skill, if you want to call it that. Um, and there's some pretty cool, pretty cool achievements that we've made. So, yeah. um, you know, and a lot of people do come up to me and now ask me, you know, if they've got this situation, how would you do it and all, or what could I do and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that'd be silly. So just talking, <laughs> well, just talking one-on-one, they kind of go, okay, that's fine. So I actually want to try and spread that wider if I can. Um, Let's do because, it. yeah, the more opportunities, the more opportunities kids in our community um, have to be exposed to aquatics and swimming lessons and all that, hopefully, hopefully one day we can reduce the horrific um, drowning rate for kids and, and adults on the spectrum because it is quite horrific. And if I can plug someone and, and another extraordinary person who has crossed my path is Erica Gleason. Um, her work with Autism Swim is just a huge game changer. I cannot say that loud enough. Um, I have a, an interview scheduled with Erica next week. Oh, you lucky duck. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Making a huge difference. Massive, like worldwide. Just like, Erica is a force to be reckoned with. Um, and yeah, she's spreading this worldwide so if yeah if I can make a slight difference and and I guess and she made actually made the comments from me you know, a, a few weeks ago you know I'm, I'm making a difference on ground level where she's spreading this worldwide my motivation to become a swim teacher was to help one or two kids or three kids yeah she's going to change our entire population in in terms of the autism community and special needs in that respect so um, yeah, all I wanted to do was offer an opportunity for someone that I was denied for my own child. That was my motivation. Um, but Erica does take it to a whole new level. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm so um, glad that, that you and Erica have met and are on the same wavelength and, and working oh, together. That is, that is really good. Oh, I love, love picking her brain, I have to say. It's quite an extraordinary opportunity um, and I love that I'm now Autism Swim certified. Yeah. I, I could not be more proud of that um, and if anyone is thinking of doing the course, please do it. Get that training done because it's, it's, it's a fantastic course. Um, I learned so much from it even though I'm surrounded with autism, my life is, is consumed by it. Um, I learned so much more. And it actually helped me understand my own kids even more than what I did in the beforehand. So that that says a lot um, in that respect. So yeah, I mean each kid is different. There's no no kid that's on the spectrum that's the same as another one. So it's such a broad spectrum. If you want to go there, um, <laughs> you know my two Grant and Kelly are, are completely different, but in the same way they're, they're exactly the same. So. Yeah, you know, I I, um, I can understand that. Even though they've got the same diagnosis, they're polar opposites, but also exactly the same. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I can only strongly, strongly encourage any swim teacher um, or professional to get onto that course because it, it 
it makes it easy to understand, if, if that's the best way to explain it. It's a very humanised, um, compassionate, a um, lot of empathy in it, lot of lot of human responses in it, as opposed to the clinical, this is what kids can't do kind of thing. It's a very can do, this is what you can do, this is what they can do, and all that kind of stuff, which is, I, I love that. I've always That's... been up against what we can't do and what our kids can't do, and there's nothing more frustrating than hearing what your kid can't do as opposed to what they can do, um, which kind of motivated me for my book as well, what can be, because they can do so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Yay, Yay. so exciting, Roz, so exciting. Yay. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Actually, there's one thing you haven't answered. How do we get a hold of the book? Is it just on Kindle? Oh, it's Amazon.com.au or the American Amazon.com as well. Okay. Um, it can be downloaded for free through Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a Kindle Unlimited member, um, you can download it for free. Otherwise, it's only, a, a, I think it's, what, $4, four dollars uh, Australian to get on Amazon.com. Fantastic. So just Google that and... Yeah, you'll see a little fella climbing a ladder, um, reaching up to the side, which is very cool. Yeah, that is cool. You've done really well. Yeah, so, yeah that's cool. Yeah, well, Ross, um, thank you. Thank you for, my pleasure. for joining me. And oh, thank you for asking me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, I will have the links to or the links for Ross's book below. And if she lets me, I may put the cover on as the graphic image for this particular podcast. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> Can't believe I speak like this. All right, well, guys, you can find Roz's book on Kindle and Amazon. Now, the second volume has actually now been released. Um, and yeah, it was a little while ago that I did speak to Roz, but she has just been powering through. Um, so there's some really good reading out there for your isolation, guys. Now... Definitely keep your eyes open for a movie coming out regards to this story. I have no doubt in my mind that her youngest son, Mark, will jump into this and just do an amazing job of his story. Um, So there you have it from a very heartfelt, passionate woman. You can find her book on Amazon and Kindle. Remember, be patient. Let the kids trust you and let them come to you. Those are Roz's top tips for working with children with autism. Now, next episode, I am actually speaking with Erica Gleason. I will have that interview up and ready for you guys to go. So if you're looking for more information on how to work with children with autism, then stay tuned for the next episode as well. Guys, happy swimming. And if you can't right now, happy creating. (laughs) 